0: This is Dollars and Change, a podcast about the intersection of business and social impact. Brought
1: to you by the Wharton Social Impact Initiative. Welcome to Dollars and Change. This is your host, Katherine Klein. Before I jump into today's show, a quick reminder that we love hearing from you. You can email us at dollarsandchange at that's dollarsandchange at Wharton.upen.edu. We love hearing your ideas, your feedback, your suggestions. On to today's show. So how do companies actually drive positive social and environmental impact? What does that really look like in practice? To answer this question, I spoke with Roma McCaig. She's the new Senior Vice President of Impact and Communication at Cliff Bar & Company. Cliff Bar and Company has been at the business of impact for a long time, throughout its 30-year history. In fact, that's part of the reason Roma joined this company. In this conversation, Roma talks about why she joined Cliff Bar and the impact that Cliff Bar is creating through its pay system, its employee ownership, its organic sourcing, its packaging, and more. And she talks about their journey to create even more impact through their actions, their commitment, and the growth of their business. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to Dollars and Change. I'm Katherine Klein, Vice Dean for Social Impact at Wharton. This is our first uh, podcast episode for 2022, and I'm really excited to talk today with Roma McKaig. Uh, Roma joined Cliff Bar & Company recently, last May, as the Senior Vice President of Impact and Communications. And in this role, she's overseeing sustainability strategy, community initiatives, corporate brand, uh, and employee communications, a big impact role, a big communications role at Cliff Bar. Um, so welcome to the program. Great to have you with me.
0: Thanks so much, Catherine. It's great to be here.
1: Great to, to be here. I was recalling that you and I met in Rwanda uh, in the course I teach in Rwanda. We met five years ago, so it's wonderful to be uh, reconnected with you, and it's um I got to say, it's been really fun as we've uh, been preparing for this interview to dig into uh, Cliff Bar. So, I'll just set a little bit of context and then we'll talk about why you made this move and, and what Cliff Bar is doing. So, I imagine many of our listeners know Cliff Bar is that kind of energy bar company founded 30 years ago by Gary Erickson and Lisa Thomas. Gary Erickson, sort of, lots of good stories about the company founding. You know, he had gone on a 175 mile bike ride oh my lord uh, and thought i need better energy bars than i have and and set out to create them there's also a fantastic story about gary again uh, one of the company's co-founders in 2001 so the company is about uh, at that point about 10 years old and Quaker Oats makes a bid to buy the company for 120 million dollars gary is initially you know, pretty much all set to agree and then has cold feet and thinks, and, you know, his gut response is, if I sell the company, we can't pursue the purpose and the mission that I have built into this company. I don't want to maintain and walks away from $120 million. Also has to buy out his partner who had wanted to make the $120 million deal. So this is a big commitment. And it's, it's been part of, um, you know, the company's legacy uh, in ways that, frankly, I didn't really understand. So maybe that does speak to the communications role that, that you're taking on, Roma. So I'm going to pause there. We can say more about the company. I guess maybe I'll just say that the company remains privately held, uh, family employee-owned company with about 1,100 employees. So let's let's leave that introduction there. You'll elaborate, I'm sure. But, but tell us why you made this move. You uh, you know, where had you been and why did you make the move to to clickbar
0: Sure. So you know, just a little bit about my my journey, I guess. I had spent 20 years in roles where I was driving change through the communications seat um, in healthcare, in tech, in CPG. And after sitting at a lot of leadership tables, being the communication support person at the table, I said, you know what, I really want to be the person driving the change, leading the change, not supporting the change. So I made a pivot to strategy and operations. And that is what led me to go to Wharton to get my MBA. Um, And I will say, I really fell into sustainability and social impact. Um, It wasn't something that was kind of on my radar. And it was when I was at Campbell Soup Company, um, I had been leading procurement strategy and operations. And our chief procurement officer asked me to take on this thing called responsible sourcing. And for me, it was so fascinating because the commitments we'd made as a company around animal welfare and fair labor practices were things that me personally were very important to me, um, things that I valued. But I didn't realize along my career that this was actually something that I could make a bigger difference around. And so when I saw this opportunity in procurement, I really I put on my strategy and ops hat and I said, okay how do we make sure we actually deliver on these commitments? And we actually do make a difference. And it really meant integrating into operations, integrating into our strategic plan, our financial investments, our annual operating plan, and our processes and systems in order to um, actually get this work done. And so with that, I went on to lead uh, to architect Campbell's first ESG strategy, environmental, social, and governance strategy, where we aligned on 14 focus areas. And then Cliff found me, And I actually knew the CIO at Cliff at the time. And he reached out um, and said, hey, we have this new function. um, And I thought of you. And by the way, Sally Grimes is our CEO. And I knew that because I was a huge fan of Sally's and I'd been following her career. um, And I thought, wow, it would be amazing to work someday at Cliff Bar and to work for Sally. And then I got this phone call. And what was so cool about it was I could take everything I'd ever done in my career from communications to strategy development to operational efficiency and CSR and bring it all into one job. And that's what Cliff offered. And I got to align that with my personal values. And I will say that today at Cliff, it's the first time in my career I actually get to bring my whole self to work.
1: It's fantastic.
0: Which is awesome.
1: I wanna wanna, um, dig into two things you said. One is talking about bringing your whole self and bringing your values. It reminds me of something that I sometimes say to my students and some of our undergrads and the MBAs at, at Wharton, you know, who are wondering how they're going to use their values at work and can they do this? And part of what I sometimes say is, you know, if you stay true to your values, you will find a way to live them at work. You know, they will rear their head in the very best way. And it sounds like that's been true to you, you know, that you had these values and you found a way to seize these opportunities and to make the best of them. And I, I think that's very powerful. The other thing I want to ask you about is I want to hear you tell us more about Sally Grimes. So Sally became uh, the CEO, uh, took over after the, the founders who have remained on the board, but she took over, stepped in in, in the summer of 2020 not a great time to take over any organization. (laughs) Always a challenge in the the middle of a pandemic. pandemic. (laughs) Yes, you know, come join, stay home and lead our company, Um, right? And, you know, I'm curious what it was like to, you know, to join a new team and to join a new CEO. I've actually been doing some research on leadership succession and it's it's a real opportunity, I think, and a challenge to be a new leader. And I'd love to hear, you know, what you have experienced being part of a new leadership team.
0: Yeah. Well, one thing I would say is Sally is masterful at pulling together a team, really identifying people who can work together, who can align easily. I mean, because I, I think that half of our leadership team or more are new to Cliff. You know, some are people that Sally knew from past lives and some are not. I am not someone she knew from a past life. And yet she was able to bring together a group of leaders who quickly formed a high-performing team. Um, you know, and, um, and we're extremely effective. Um, we just had a board meeting today and, you know, we came out of it with the results of it and it was just a bunch of high-fiving and kudos to each other and just a lot of support and encouragement. And, and I would say it's been that way since I joined the company. Um, Sally is, um, extremely decisive. She's very clear. She's very decisive, but she also leads with empathy and she's extremely kind. And so, and with that, she just, you know, kind of just just emits that in a room, like it just comes through and she hires people who are also that way. And so we're all more than just about delivering the numbers. And that's where, you know, our five aspirations business model really comes into play too, is you have a leadership team that are all aligned with leading a company for more than just one objective, which is a financial bottom line. It's about, you know, creating a um, positive impact on society and doing that creates this virtual cycle of productive growth. And so she has found, a, you know, a whole team of people who all believe in that and have come from different organizations and bring unique experiences that together make Cliff so much more powerful.
1: So describe what these five aspirations are and then let's let's dig into what they actually mean beyond the rhetoric, beyond the
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, like I said, our five aspirations, they're a big reason why I'm at Clifford. It makes me feel good to come to work every day, um, knowing that we're thinking about more than just a financial bottom line when we define success. So start with our 2030 strategy, which is our, we call our growth game plan. It sets a bold goal to double the size of the company by 2030. And with that, we have also set a goal to double the positive impact on humanity. And we know we can do this because of our five aspirations business model. It's powerful because we manage our performance against five bottom lines. And those bottom lines being sustaining our business, sustaining our brands, sustaining our people, sustaining our planet and sustaining our communities. And we've actually written these into our articles of incorporation. So at its best, Cliff's five aspiration model produces this virtual cycle, as I mentioned, where productive growth allows us to deliver positive impact and positive impact allows us to continue delivering productive growth. And it means that if we fall short on any aspiration, we're breaking that cycle for all of our aspirations. So we have made a public commitment to cut our carbon emissions in half by 2030. And we've plans for reducing our emissions within our own operations. We know we can do that, but we also can't achieve this goal without our ingredient suppliers also doing the same. And so we've we've got momentum because we've been in climate action conversations with almost all of our key vendors for the past 10 years with things like a program we call 50-50 by 2020 around renewable energy. And in that program, we asked our vendors to use at least 50% renewable energy to process the ingredients that we buy from them. And to help them do this, we've made consulting services available to them at no charge, Mm. um, which they've taken advantage of. And then in some cases, they've even gotten to 100% renewable energy when it comes to the ingredients that they process for us. So what that helps us do is then achieve our scope three emissions target that we've set, because they're now using more renewable energy to generate the ingredients that they provide us with. That's one example.
1: I was also really interested to read about, the extent to which you're sourcing um, organic ingredients, the benefits of that. And I will say also funding, as a faculty member, i'm noticing this you know you're funding or um, faculty research and and uh, yes. faculty positions in you know organic food science uh, yeah. at, at several universities.
0: yeah, we are the largest supporter, I guess of organic research in the country we've made endowments to several universities around organic research, um, the University of California. Um, system being one of those where we've helped them create their, um, their um, Institute for Organic Research. This year, we've committed to also making an endowment to an HBCU, focused on agricultural research as well. And, um, and this is important to us because we've been organic for so many years. And we think that organic uh, agriculture is so much more beneficial to the planet. In terms of the growing practices and the positive impacts both on climate and human health, and so we have to date, we've procured I think over a billion pounds of organic ingredients, and it makes up over eighty percent of the um, ingredients that go into our products.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great example, and it's you know it's helpful for me. I'm not an expert in this area, but to kind of understand the links from. You know, organic farming to farm workers. And I know the company has also you know, been been generous in, in philanthropy to farm workers. And this is a place where when we talk about environmental justice, right, like, oh, this is an example. This is, you know, farm workers dealing, uh, you know, working in fields that are or are not chemically treated makes real difference for people's health. What about people? This is also part of your, you know, one of your aspirations.
0: Yeah, there's a lot I can say around people because we can't accomplish our other aspirations without people who are motivated and thriving. This past year, especially, has been challenging for people in terms of continuing to work in pandemic conditions, leading to new ways of working for many, and also responding to new challenges like supply chain constraints. So as a company, our people aspiration, especially our commitment to keep our people safe has been our top priority. And it could be about decisions around like travel, phasing return to office policies, how many lines to run at a bakery in the midst of large numbers of vacancies and absences, or just recognizing hard work. One notable example that I'm super proud of is that, At the end of 2021, we made the decision to close our bakeries, close all our offices, but close our bakeries for the time between Christmas and New Year's so that everyone can take much needed time to recharge. For sure, most companies in our same supply situation Mm -hmm, would mm -hmm. not do that. Knowing we may sacrifice making some bars that we need, we put our people first and gave them that much deserved reward and rest so that they could come back to 22 refreshed and ready to go. I'd say another example is around living wage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Our bakeries that we own have been in operation since 2016, and since 2016, we've been paying a living wage. As market wages have increased in Idaho and Indianapolis, where our bakeries are, we continue to meet that commitment. We're also now expanding our living wage approach to all cliff locations, even outside the U.S., and starting this year, we'll be integrating pay equity into our compensation process, which will earn us what's called fair pay workplace certification. And this gives Clip the distinction of being a leader in ensuring equal pay for equal work throughout the company.
1: Can you say more about what that pay equity, what pay equity means in this context and what the what you're moving towards, what the, what the goal is here?
0: Yeah. So a lot of companies will set a goal around living wage and living wage is different from from minimum wage, as you yeah. know, right? There's a big difference there.
1: And to be clear, living wage is substantially more often than, a, than the minimum wage. Yeah.
0: It could be doubled, yeah. What living wage does, though, is it sets a floor, mm-hmm. and it says that anyone working in this geographic location should be making at least this much based on what they're trying to support, be it two working adults, family of four, that kind of thing, in that particular metropolitan area. But what pay equity does is says for every level in that organization, this is what equal pay looks like. So you have your floor, but now we're looking at every single level in the organization and we're ensuring equity across the organization in terms of pay, because that's where the gaps are, right? It's not not at the floor necessarily. It's at all those other levels. And you want to be sure that there are no disparities based on gender, Mm -hmm. you know, in particular
1: got it I also will will say your. I've been intrigued in uh, and uh, enjoying reading a little bit about your ESOP, your employee stock ownership plan. Having done research on employee ownership many many years ago, um, it's great to see that the company is is about twenty percent owned by its employees. That all of your workers are involved in, and these are generous benefits for the long term, you know, for long term financial benefits for employees. So let me ask a couple of questions about this, and, and uh, as we continue to explore this, you have this role as Senior Vice President of Impact and Communications. Mm-hmm. So I've said I'm impressed by the company, and I am from what, I'm, what I've read and understand. Now the cynic in me could look at your title and go, Impact and Communications, you know, is this just window dressing? We need her. You know, and it's like they've just told us they're window dressing. It's impact, and then they're going to try to, uh, you know, elevate this with communications. It's a marketing strategy. It's not the real thing. You know, it's just it's just what they're doing to impress customers and don't look too deeply. That would be the most cynical view of this uh, of this title. So talk to talk to us about your role, and and I presume you're going to take down that cynical. Um, <laughs> That cynical well, <laughs> characterization. Well,
0: I mean, I will tell you, first of all, it's just not in my nature.
1: That's so, true. <laughs> I
0: know you well enough. To... <laughs> That's right. true. I, you know, it's like, I'm not about window dressing. I need to make sure there is actually something under covers there and I'll make sure that it's there. So the, the importance of putting impact and communications together is that it really, it, it elevates who we are and what is so important to us at Cliff, both internally and externally. And I'll unpack that a little. So in, within impact, we focus on three major areas within our aspirations. We focus on environmental responsibility, social responsibility, and that's within our own operations as well as in our supply chain. And then uh, our community impact, right? And community impact through our employees, through our company programs, and through our grants as well, right? So that's really what impact looks like. Now, what we need to do, though, is we need to enlist everyone in the organization to be on that journey and to play a role in that journey. So communications plays a huge role internally to make sure that we are informing, We are engaging, we're connecting our employees to all of these goals and commitments we've made and that they know specifically what role they can play in delivering on those. Externally, I will tell you that Cliff has, and you said this at the very beginning of our conversation, I didn't know all these things about Cliff, right? We have prided ourselves on being very humble, but I would argue that that has been somewhat to our detriment. And so our approach is not to be out there thumping our chest. Our approach is to take a show-not-tell approach and to demonstrate what real action looks like, what real impact looks like in an effort to influence others to actually do the same and to really join us on that journey. So if I think about kind of what our purpose is, which is to redesign the business of food for health, equity, and earth, we don't want to be alone on this journey. We can't alone redesign the business of food. We need our peers, our suppliers, our customers, our consumers, all to join us on that journey. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is that if we're out there actively telling our story and sharing very specific examples of what we're doing.
1: That's fascinating. Say more about how you envision this happening. When you talk about redesigning the business of food, I am struck by the fact that you've been in the food industry and Sally has been in in food industry for for a long time. Mm-hmm. How does Cliffbar, you know, a successful brand, a well-known company, still a relatively small, I think, uh privately held company, how does it play this role in, you know, in, in influencing the entire food industry?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think there, there are a number of ways. One is leading by example. You mentioned we were, we were born on a bike 30 years ago, right? That's, that's how Gary envisioned this whole idea of having a better energy bar. And it was purposely crafted then. Um, so a lot of you know, who we are today came with us at day one. We have since then seen ourselves as kind of this test kitchen that really aims Mm -hmm, to disrupt mm -hmm. the food industry and prove that it can feed a collective good. And so, you know, to do that, we have to provide examples. So one is, you know, around... Plant-based organic ingredients, right? We're very vocal about that. We have produced videos about why organic almonds are better than conventional almonds. You know, we have promoted um, the development of organic seed and organic farming, right? We 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 um, we advocate mm-hmm. for things like the Farm Bill, and so we we play a very active role there. Both, you know, in how we operate our business, but also where we show up. Policy and advocacy is a big piece of that too. We have, you know, we have people on our team um, at Cliff in government affairs who play um, an active role, both with like the Organic Trade Association, but also the USDA on really trying to push forward the importance of organic. So that's one example. We also, you know, talk about how we think the food system can be restorative. We operate the world's first zero waste bakery
1: hmm
0: hmm Right. And we would, you know, it's, it's something that we're not hiding. I mean, we'd love to showcase our bakery in Twin Falls, Idaho, because it's remarkable. We have this phenomenal renewable energy or solar energy farm, and that whole farm has a pollinator habitat growing underneath it. Wow. Right. It's just really phenomenal, the things that we've done there. We are working on Compostable packaging right now. We recognize that our packaging is not sustainably ideal, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And so our goal is to be able to move to industrially compostable packaging. And we've been testing a lot of films. I did a backpack test, which was a ton of fun, where I took like Cliff Bar products in a bunch of different compostable wrappers for three weeks on my travels in my backpack, (laughs) right? And then brought it back and we had to see how did it hold up? How did the product hold up? How did the packaging hold up? So there's just a lot of of testing where employees are involved. This is the kind of thing where we don't want to keep this knowledge to ourselves. We want to bring people along on our journey and share with them what we're learning so they too can also be making these changes. Got it.
1: A couple of uh, final questions for you. One, you talk about the virtuous cycle uh, of what you're trying to achieve, doubling the size of the company, doubling the impact. And I'm curious. You know, on, on the one hand, we have a lot of rhetoric and stories that support that. On the other hand, there's plenty of evidence that uh, that impact and, and profit don't go hand in hand. That you know, that that achieving serious impact, um, at least in some industries, you know, doesn't always bring you the the profits that we would we would would hope for. So I'm just curious if you can describe how you see the virtuous cycle happening and and you know, are there instances where where it gets sticky, where it gets, you know, where there is friction, where it doesn't work? Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, the fact that we have five aspirations and we use them for decision making, it, it, there's natural conflict built into that, right? Because you can't check every aspiration box in every decision. Um, and we have to think about, okay, are we going to prioritize one or over another? But it's going to be an aligned decision that we as a leadership team have made. It's one of those things that we use to hold ourselves accountable, but we also say, "Well, what's the trade-off? What are we giving up to do this?" In some cases, organic being a great example of that, we're selling a product that you know that costs more to make, right? And we can and we're competing with products that aren't using organic ingredients at the same price point. But that's a choice we've made.
1: Got right. it. And then another question for you, ESG. We hear a lot of conversation about ESG, environmental, social, and governance standards. Do you think of of what you're doing and what Cliff is doing as ESG? Do you think of the company as a model of ESG success? Do you think of it as something that's different? I mean, we run into all these definitional issues here about what the heck do all these terms mean. But I'm curious how you think about ESG and how you think about Cliff. Using yeah. the ESG standards,
0: you know, I, I used to have this slide that I would share with leadership that said sustainability equals ESG. It's like it's it's the new term, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> to, to talk about the same stuff essentially. the w- The way I think about ESG is, you know, this is about ensuring that you are running your business, making good business choices, and you're thinking about all the different risks associated with your business, and you're building those into your management model. So what's happening today around ESG is companies are using it. This is Roma speaking here, but I think companies are using it as more of a compliance Mm -hmm. mechanism. It's like ESG to me is the bottom. Now, ESG is like the minimum you should be doing. It's a check the box. It's so an institutional investor doesn't pull out of your Mm -hmm, (laughs) investment. mm -hmm, Yeah. So they, right? um, So you can get a particular rating or ranking, which is very inconsistent across the board. But what ESG isn't doing is measuring positive performance, right? So I see ESG is about doing no harm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I think what Cliff is doing is about doing good.
1: Got it. So, last question for you. You've talked about the the growth plans, the ambitions, and we've talked about a lot of the ways that Cliff is already living up to his five aspirations and what it, you hope to achieve with more environmental sustainability, with compostable wrapping, with uh, employee pay, and so on. I'm curious on the non-impact side. What are we going to see for products? Is you know are we going to see that um, just an expansion beyond Energy uh, bars and drinks. Um, you know what? What? What's going to get Cliff on the product side to double a uh, doubling in size?
0: Yeah. Well, um, we made an exciting announcement at the end of the year where um, we're launching our first pet treat line. So, plant-based jerky. So, living into you know, kind of our nutrition beliefs. Our ingredient beliefs by developing a plant-based jerky, which I'm so excited. My dog loves it, and that will be available later this year. And that's through our incubator. So we have kind of three levels of innovation. This is is
1: good, Roma, but I don't have a dog. I mean, my kids have uh, dogs, but (laughs) (laughs) But I want a new product that gets me excited. The dog treat, it's good. Yeah. So
0: the other two things that you'll see us take national are um, cereal. Uh, Uh huh. Yeah. So we tested cereal with one retail partner last year. We'll be launching that nationally this year. The other thing that you can also find out there right now, so you can find cereal out there and you can also find Cliff Bins. And what's nice about Cliff Bins is this is essentially a Cliff Bar that is a crispy wafer and it's a hundred calorie pack. So it's a quick snack to get that little boost that you're looking for and goes really well with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. So two examples. The other thing too, is there's just a lot more we're doing with kids, right? We, you know, our um, Cliff Kids or Z-Bar line has just been hugely popular. And so really, you know, leaning into how we support moms and kids and the lunchbox, essentially.
1: Uh, Ro, it's fantastic to talk to you. And it's been really fun to you know, to catch up with you again and to learn all about, you know, what Cliff is doing. And, you know, I'll be paying attention and I hope our listeners are, are paying attention as well. And, and, uh, you know, coming back to say, did you deliver and deliver on on these bold goals? So thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. It was really great to catch up, Catherine. Dollars and Change is brought to you by the Wharton Social Impact Initiative. To learn more, visit us at socialimpact.wharton.upenn.edu.